Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the World 7 Series resumes in Sydney. And Papua New Guinea continued to find it tough going at the Under-19 Cricket World Cup. But first, Peter Taufatafu has become just the second Tongan athlete ever to qualify for the Winter Olympics. The 34-year-old booked his ticket to Pyeongchang in the final race of his cross-country skiing qualification campaign in Iceland over the weekend. Team manager and head of sport for the Royal Tonga Ski Federation, Steve Grundman says Tafutafua produced his best performance in his final race. I mean, we did not have any more chances because the list, uh, FAS list, was closing on the on Sunday, and Saturday was basically his, his last race. So it was um, at the end of the world with uh, very hostile circumstances. Yeah, he had this, his last chance, and he performed very well. He delivered, and um, yeah, with the race of his life, basically, he, he nailed it and made uh, made the qualification for Pyeongchang. You know, it was 13 months ago, I think, that he announced he was going to attempt to qualify for the Winter Games after obviously making quite a name for himself at Rio 2016. Uh, he admitted he'd never been on skis before, and it was a completely new thing for him. Uh, but it hasn't been easy, has it? No, not at all. I mean, the most... Uh, complicated process was actually to to make him into a long distance runner because he's a super heavy weight um, uh, martial arts fighter and uh, he had uh, he lost 15 kilos and um, needed to build up stamina so his whole body was actually changing his muscles got thinner and longer and um, yeah as, also if you can compare his pictures um, I mean you really see that he got very very skinny and uh, but that's that's what happens if you become a um, endurance uh, um, performance um, athlete. And so uh, we made that. And then, of course, the second thing was the technique. Uh, it's it's not an it's not an easy sport if you never did that cross country skiing, um, especially skating. So we needed to uh, completely start with him, like ski instructing with the first lessons, and um, that he also picked up very very well. So he did actually show some talent there. And um, for God's sake, he really liked it and enjoyed it, and he couldn't get enough of it. So um, we found some, we got we got some drive in there as well. And um, yeah, everything everything worked out well with our coach. And um, so um, he got really into it. And he also and the second thing and the third thing was also to pick up this um, this racing mentality, yeah, because otherwise he was before it was a one to one sport. He was fighting against others, and he knew when he was leading and 
now he had a he was basically running against the clock or mass start with with others so it was a different competition <laughs> that he also needed to uh, to realize and get into but um, all those things came together plus of course also the the whole material he wasn't used to use different or extra gear like uh, like skis now under under his feet and um, and to work with that with his body so uh, then the whole uh, phenomena of waxing and what actually uh, a good or a fast ski makes, you know, the, the big difference to pick that up and uh, what happens actually if you wax the ski wrong, that the race is basically already over. Yeah? You feel that from the, from the first slide on. So all those things, um, he, yeah, he got, he picked up and, 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 and got into it and um, that made him, made him very, very fast, uh, better from day to day. And um, that's why he is there where he's now. In terms of uh, the the points and, and what he actually had to do to qualify, because he only had a handful of races, and I know funding and getting to certain events has has been challenging for him, and even getting time on the snow on the, on the ice, if you will. So, um, you know, how many races has he actually competed in? How many has he actually finished? And you know, how how far does he still have to go, really, in in terms of to be you know competitive at you know the Winter Games? Well, first of all, he finished every race. I mean, even the, the tough ones with uh, very crazy circumstances where he also crashed himself or lost to ski then and stuff, um, he <laughs> picked it up and went back in the race. And no matter, uh, uh, even though he knew the race was basically over and uh, the points weren't good enough, he did finish it. So that, that showed that he has a true fighter uh, or warrior mentality. And um, he competed in Colombia first. Um, then it was... Uh, Turkey, then Poland, then Armenia, and then unfortunately, due to um, yeah the little little incident that happened um, at the airport where he missed out a race in Croatia, which was already really really tight with the points. Um, after that, we we had our last exit in um, uh, to Iceland. That at every station or every venue, he had um, yeah, either four to two two races. Yeah, so. It wasn't a lot, and um, he just could not could not get the points together until the very very last race yeah, that he needed, unfortunately. Because also the races were really really tough. In in Poland, for example, that was like a, a national um, or senior championships where you had really a lot of good racers, and they were also very very tough courses. Um, also Armenia, for example, two thousand meters hike, you know, all those things that come together, and then the um, elevation of the courses um, we we chose actually really tough races and, and really tough courses so it wasn't easy for him and um, then at the end in Iceland with uh, minus 18 degrees snowstorms he was stuck for three days because he couldn't get through the fjords because uh, due to avalanches the roads were closed and um, so you you already you know have um, see actually uh, time ticking and uh, yeah then you're stuck and you cannot go to the race and then you see actually your qualification passing by due to those um, for climate reasons and not because he didn't perform and uh, that was a bit um, scary in the end but um, it all worked out fine and we're very very happy yeah. um, how many people qualify then for Pyeongchang because at the world championships almost a year ago um, you know which was right at the start for him I think he was 153rd out of 156 competitors. So would it be a similar amount of people that would compete in Pyeongchang? No, 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 definitely less. Definitely less because you need to be, um, if you compare the, the, the starter list from the World Championships, there you see um, um, racers with like 1,000 or 800 or 900 points representing a country. 
And um, at the Olympics, you need to be below 300 FIS points, and that is already really, really um, good. Yeah, that's actually below 300 points shows that you actually can do cross-country skiing. And um, so it's, it's it's not a walk in the park. And um, uh, I assume it will be probably half of the, the field that started at the World Championships. Uh, I do not know who and uh, qualified. Uh, we will see that at the Olympics because um, the FAS only has a certain number of quota places. And I do not know who actually takes all those places, but it's, it won't be a lot. Probably, so, I don't know, maybe 75 or 80 competitors or something in the summer race. So is, is Pitts' qualification, is that one of the quota places? Yes, 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 yes. You need to be, um, uh, if you have, uh, every every country would have one spot if they would have one racer below 300 FIS points. If you are above that, you, um, you're not qualified for the Olympics. At the World Championships, basically every country could have um, a racer represent the country. But at the Olympics, you need to have this, uh, fulfill this quota, which is pretty tough. That's the head of sport for the Royal Tonga Ski Federation, Steve Grundman. Samoa Sevens coach Sir Gordon Titchens says his side has run off any festive season indulgences and will be fighting fit when the World Series resumes in Sydney on Friday. The Manu Sevens are in ninth place in the men's competition after the opening two rounds in Dubai and Cape Town. Sir Gordon Titchens says the squad used the holiday period to work on fitness and combinations at a series of training camps in New Zealand. So we've had basically two and a half weeks together of not only reflecting back on those first two tournaments but really getting to the levels of condition that we need to get to over quite a challenging period which is always that, that festive season that we have. And, and um, obviously working out... Um, Good combinations. We were we were lucky enough to put a uh, like a, a development, and also it consisted of some of the, the first line players in the in the Mount tournament um, that they had uh, just early in the new year, and we, we played that tournament. They went particularly well, and and of course um, from that uh, we went into further camps, and uh, and I've now selected a side that I think hopefully will be really competitive in the in the tournament in Sydney. I know conditioning is obviously always a very important thing for you and, and for Sevens Rugby in general. Um, when, you, when you say improve the conditioning, were, you, were they not quite where you wanted to be in those first two legs? Like, it's always a challenging period for any athlete. It doesn't matter what team you're playing for. And, and you know, you want them to celebrate that year and have Christmas with their families. And, and then, you've got, of course, you've got the new year to deal with as well. So, yeah, it's fair to say that there's their time out and uh, to to be with their families and I suppose that, that those conditioning sides those on the back bench and, and then you, you get over that time and then you've got to get back into your work and that's effectively what it is and, and hence the reason that I brought them to New Zealand is to, to really get them back into their work and uh, and work at, at an intensity so they can play at the pace of the game that's so going to need to in the World Series. I've always said that Samoa handles it physically very, very well but it's, uh, it's the pace of the game that I, we need to get up to speed with and uh, that's an area that we've certainly uh, worked, I feel, anyway, over the last few weeks. We can be very well at Did anything surprise you in terms of your team or even the opposition in those first two rounds? No, I thought we played particularly well in Dubai. I, I thought we had a, a great tournament in Dubai. We ended up finishing up sixth, and, uh, but we got ourselves into the Cup Championship and lost to the, to the eventual winner, South Africa, in the quarterfinal. But... Um, you know, we, we gave them a, a fairly good crack as well and uh, I saw glimpses of, of when we put it together and, play, and bring our A game. 
uh, we can certainly play. And uh, going into South Africa, I think what really knocks us back a bit, we had some, we lost basically four players to um, on the first tournament in Dubai, two of our most influential players, and Salaminga Sally Sally and Gordon Lane Kilda. And then, of course, in the in the tournament in South Africa, I lost two really prominent players. One, uh, obviously, um, Matuga, who was playing very, very well, and um, also my other Asaba uh, Tala broke a um, he got a fractured leg. So, so losing those two guys with fractures was um, is a huge dent in, in our side because the four of them were playing extremely well. So. I'm now asking my, my players to step up, and um, and that's been the real challenge, getting the players who can actually fill their spots. And uh, and I feel we've worked a long way towards that. And Gordon and Kilda and and Sally, Minga, Sally, Sally have come back into the frame now. They're back and fully fit. So uh, those conditioning athletes we talked about, they needed to work particularly hard because they've been out of action for up to four to six weeks. Uh, aside from the other two, obviously, with the fractures, uh, are there any others that are going to be missing over the next fortnight? No, we've got a fully fit squad now, bar losing, you know, Alamunda and Matuga and, and, of course, uh, Samad Salas. But what that does, as injury always do, they always provide opportunities for, for newer players to step up on the, into the fray, and, um, and that's what's happened. And, of course, uh, Sydney this weekend, um, you've got uh, New Zealand, Fiji and Russia. So, uh, you know, we always talk about no easy games, but, um, you know, there's going to be a couple of big ones in that one for sure. Fiji on the Friday night is going to be really tough. We played them first up last year as well. And, and of course, New Zealand, who won the, the last tournament. And, yeah, it's fair to say we've got two of the toughest teams and probably the toughest ball. But uh, it is what it is, and you've got to get on with it. And uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. You know, we know we're going into both those games as, as real underdogs. But, you know, it's, it's about taking small steps at a time. And I think my team's doing that at the moment. And I guess uh, for Samoa, um, you know, you don't have a home tournament, obviously, in Apia. So, uh, you know, these legs in Australia and New Zealand, I guess, are as close as you get to a home tournament. You've always got, you know, quite good support in those areas. Yeah, we're looking to a lot of support, certainly in, in Sydney and, and again in Hamilton, uh, New Zealand, which, of course, for them is a, is a new tournament. You know, our boys will always lift, I'm sure, and uh, the guys are really looking forward to it. And it's fair to say they've worked extremely hard to gain selection in this team. Um, and I suppose... Uh, a lot behind that also is playing in these these two tours being so close to home. So you mentioned obviously the injuries really knocked you back in uh, Cape Town. Uh, so do, do you think that was the biggest factor there? I mean, tactically, is there you know execution wise, is there is there any one area you've got your finger on that you're saying, come Sydney, this oh, is what I want improvement from? Yeah. Of course, your decision making at crucial times and performing the skill level or executing the skills when you need to at big times as well. And it's fair to say, in a couple of the big games, particularly. Um, against Wales, which possibly could have put us in the Cup Championship. We uh, took a bad option in the last play of the game, which, which we could have won, you know, and our player elected to have a crack on his own rather than delivered to the two players who are unmarked on the outside. So, you know, if we got that right, who knows uh, what the difference would have been. And we beat Canada uh, in our very first game, and we then went on to the semis. So, you know, we're there and thereabouts. It's just, in our game, it's about, you know, those big moments getting those decisions uh, right when they're, when they're really needed. It's the Samoa Sevens coach, Sir Gordon Titchens. Papua New Guinea winless at the Under-19 Cricket World Cup after an 80-run defeat by Canada in the plate quarterfinals. The Canadians amassed a challenging 265 for 8, batting first at Lincoln Green, with PNG all out for 185 in the 45th over in response. 
The Garamuts were previously outclassed by Zimbabwe, India and Australia in pool play and coach Greg Campbell says each game is a learning curve. Oh yeah, look, the boys identified themselves like, uh, you know, we've leaked a few runs in the field and that's because they're, they're young boys and um, they've got to identify that. We left 50 or 60 runs leak in the field and, you know, we could have been chasing chasing 200, not 270 and that's nothing against... Uh, uh, the side we played today, you know, there's nothing against uh, a Canada. That, you know, the, the young boy that got a hundred better very well. But we 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 were disappointed the way they fielded, and uh, you know, very well, uh, very happy the way we bowled. So that's an area the boys have identified in the next one or two days. They've got to got to tighten up significantly, and uh, we can still play for 13th, 13th spot here. So there's a lot to play for. Yeah, and and batting has been uh, you know a struggle for you guys throughout the tournament. But Simon Atai, a great performance from him today. Oh, it was a magnificent performance. We could keep a batsman. He had he had probably 30 minutes uh, between changeover and he didn't have any lunch and out he goes and he's uh, got a magnificent uh, 81 and was, was pretty unlucky. The run rate got up above uh, 10 for us when we lost a few wickets and uh, he, he batted very well. And the batting has been a little bit disappointed, but um, reflecting on this when we go home, it's a very young team, as I mentioned before, Vinny, and you know, we played Australia and we played India that probably bowled uh, 145, 150 and the boys probably never faced that or most associates would never have faced that. So they did uh, they did get a little bit down and was uh, probably put on the back foot and uh, we were probably a bit unlucky with the pool we, we, we drew. I mean, not saying any game would have been much easier, but uh, as you've read in the paper and heard, you know, they're bowling 145, 150, so it did dent our, our batsmen's confidence a bit and they come back to what they're used to and they sort of got back to a bit of form. So we're looking forward to our batsmen to contribute a bit more in the next couple of games. Indeed, and then obviously a chance still to finish as, as high as 13th, so uh, you know, still something to play for. And, and as you say, when these guys are 16, 17 years old, playing in a World Cup, many of them probably first time outside of the country perhaps, and certainly in a tournament of this magnitude, uh, you know, it's all a unique and, and, and very uh, valuable learning experience. Yeah, and they've been away a while, and it's like every associate, you know, they have the same problems. Their side uh, travels and they get homesick, but uh, it is unique for Papua New Guinea. Most of these boys have never travelled, uh, you know, that far. they travelled to Brisbane for a camp before Christmas and have come to a new new country, and uh, the coaches were telling me the six or seven of them can play in the next World Cup. So we deliberately picked a young team looking forward to that, not taking any... Uh, disrespect from this World Cup, we wanted to finish uh, as high as we can and we can still finish 13th, so they identified that's where they want to finish, so you know, the coaches didn't do much talking tonight, it was most of the players, so that's a, a positive aspect from a young group of boys. Papua New Guinea will face Ireland in the plate playoff semis in their next match on Thursday, and that's the World in Sport for this week, I'm Vinnie Wiley as always, thank you very much for listening.